Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the topics of security, technology, society, and human meaning. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that curates tens of hours of reading into a concise 15-minute summary, as well as regular episodes featuring essays, interviews, and book reviews on these same topics. The goal is to provide a weekly, concise, and curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, I am back. Sorry for the unexpected break last week. Been dealing with multiple weeks of really bad sinus infections and taking multiple COVID tests, of course, throughout. Figured out the cause, I think, which is failing to rotate my allergy medicine every few months. That was causing massive inflammation. And uh, I'm mostly feeling better. Voice is not quite back, but feeling a lot better. And uh, we are back on schedule. So starting off with security news. Verizon released the 2022 version of the DBIR report. And my biggest takeaways were these. So use of credentials was the biggest attack vector, followed by phishing, which targets credentials, of course. And this calls massive attention to the need for 2FA. And exploit slash vulnerabilities was insignificant compared to creds and phishing. Actually, it was like creds was huge. Phishing was like half. And then exploit one was like half of that. So quite a huge difference between those. Ransomware continued to rise in prominence. It was the biggest story of the report, essentially, for 2021. No surprise there. But they point out that ransomware is just what they do after they get in. Right, So you still need to focus heavily on the whole story around creds, phishing, and exploit defense. Misconfiguration, especially around cloud storage, featured heavily, which resonates with the data I've seen elsewhere and just my experiences over the year as well. 82% of breaches involved a human element. And they were quick to point out that this includes lots of the other attacks, right? So credential stuffing. Uh, attacking web applications, stuff like that. And anything where a human is involved, they're, they're counting that. That's 82%. And 80% were external actors versus 20%. So they continue to dispel the myth that most attacks come from the inside. That's not actually true. It's like 80-20 outside versus in. And the motive was overwhelmingly financial, around 90%. And when it wasn't financial, it was mostly espionage or spying or basically stealing IP or secrets. So those were the main findings. And my quick analysis of this is basically our biggest industry problem is still the use and abuse of weak usernames and passwords. So the faster we get to, air quotes, passwordless solutions like FIDO2, YubiKey, you know, the better. And our second biggest problem is the extreme organization and efficacy of ransomware groups once they do get in. And our rising problem that involves both of those is the fact that businesses rely on other businesses to do what they do. So you can attack your company by hitting them directly or by going after their partners. And this is just now reaching the painful, obvious stage, I think. I mean, we've had, you know, the solar winds thing and multiple other instances of this. And I think we should expect both attackers and defenders to be putting a lot more effort into defending the whole supply chain of partners as it pertains to what a particular company is building. So great job again to the DBRR team. and. Uh, Got a link here to read the report. Next story here, Team Cymru says the attackers are increasing their use of browser automation platform. Uh, this one in particular is called Babelsoft. 
and the tools used to emulate various browsers, emulate human clicking, and leverage proxies. So basically all, all sorts of fraud stuff that you could do, you know, pretending to click on things, basically pretending to have legitimate web traffic and any business model that revolves around that. This is a framework that's coming up more and more according to their research. The metaverse, an unprecedented attack surface. In the last year, there's been a sharp increase in the overall awareness of the metaverse and digital assets. Traditional cybersecurity threats are likely to be accompanied by fresh challenges in the metaverse as the required integration of emerging platforms, protocols, and technologies will almost certainly present an unprecedented attack surface. Read the Zero Fox Metaverse Intelligence Report to learn the metaverse's key concepts, current players and trends, examples of emerging cybersecurity risks in the metaverse, and associated regulatory and legal considerations. You can download the Intelligence Report by Zero Fox on the metaverse by following the link in the newsletter. Researchers in Italy found that APTs largely share known vulnerabilities with each other and not ODAs. They looked at 350 campaigns and 86 APTs and found that only 8 of the 86 actors used vulns that others did not. Greenland, population around 56,000, which I didn't know, it's a small number, suffered a cyber attack that severely limited its health services. They didn't say if it was ransomware or not, but they did say that they had to restart virtually every IT system they have. Vulnerabilities. There are multiple vulnerabilities in VMware products, including a CVSS 9.8 vulnerability related to authentication in multiple products. There's an ODA in Office that's being actively exploited. It's like a 7.8 on the Richter scale. And Zoom vulnerabilities from around a week ago that have already been fixed, but you need to patch for. They did not require any user interaction. So before you get started with all your Zooming this week, definitely make sure your client is updated. Technology news, Apple is testing a new iPhone-to-iPhone -iPhone payment technology that will let people and merchants receive payments via NFC. I think this is massive. So before this, people had to use a separate NFC reader or a card swiper to receive payments on an iPhone. And I think this will quickly become really popular uh, as a way to split bills among friends at restaurants. And it will also allow more small vendors to take digital payments without having to buy that extra hardware and use a separate application. Walmart is about to be delivering products to 37 states using drones, reaching 4 million households. So interesting to me to see how certain technologies like drone delivery and AI go from sci-fi to casually adopted so quickly, and oftentimes quietly, where you just, you hear it's being tried somewhere, but you don't realize, yeah, this is actually happening quite a bit and quite widespread. Uh, another example of this is medicine delivery in Africa. Like Tons of drones are being used for this. And company-wise, Broadcom is buying VMware for $61 billion. Human news. In a story that doesn't receive nearly enough coverage, China has basically identified Islam, or at least the Uyghur culture, as a threat and has built re-education camps, also see concentration camps, essentially, to control the problem. This uh, BBC story captures the story with extraordinary clarity that I've not really seen anywhere else. And I'm happy to see more and more companies starting to pull their production out of China between their outright hacking to steal anything of value from the world to repression of its own population to actual camps to try to erase a culture. It's time for the world to label the current country and its leadership as outright malicious, not its people, but the current government. 
I absolutely empathize with the government's desire not to be a second class citizen. And this is why, you know, she is, is doing what he's doing. But this hyperaggression is not the way to do this. And the world needs to turn back to it. The CDC says one in five U.S. adults who recover from COVID could end up with long COVID. And this is why I've been so crazy about trying not to get it still. Because uh, I'm not worried about getting sick from COVID. I'm worried about long-term effects. A preprint, uh, which you should use more caution when reading, found that different variants aren't always getting more mild when it comes to COVID. So as an example, BA2 was actually more severe than BA1, meaning it's not a given that strains will become more mild over time. I've always been very curious about this, actually. I wonder what the trend is. I wonder how this works. Is it the same for colds? Is it the same for flus? It's very strange to me, and I, I wish I knew somebody who knew about this. Finland's Green Party has endorsed a move to nuclear power. It made the move by reframing nuclear energy as sustainable energy, which, of course, it is, at least compared to a lot of the stuff we use. And now, if only we could get the U.S. and Europe um, overall to see this. That would be nice. San Francisco had the largest population drop of any major U.S. city at 6.3%. And Conan O'Brien has signed a $150 million podcasting deal with Sirius XM. Content ideas and analysis. Got a new essay here, newsletter analysis, what my favorite newsletters have in common. So I broke down a ton of attributes from my favorite, like top 12 newsletters, and did some analysis on them in Google Data Studio. So you can check out that link in the newsletter. And a quick idea here, pinning down the metaverse. So I think the metaverse primarily comes down to experiencing existing realities in an enhanced way and constructing new realities that are preferred or useful for various reasons. So basically enhancing reality and constructing new realities. When you think of Zuckerberg's version, it seems to be more about the enhancement of our reality, like virtual meetings. And if you think of gaming and VR, it's more like creating other worlds. But these also mix into each other because you might use VR technology to experience existing reality in a different way. And you might also use an immersive game to escape from reality and become someone else. Or you could use it as a therapeutic tool to help you function better in your primary reality. Definitely more thinking to come on this. I've got a couple models I'm working on and a couple essays around this. As an exercise, start looking at various metaverse conversations or pitches as either enhance or escape and see if that's useful or informative. Notes, a friend at OpenAI extended me an invite to Dali version 2 and I've been playing with it for the last few days. It honestly felt like I was messing with something from the future. In awe, is a really good word to use here because it includes both wonder and fear. So I got a couple links here to some images that I created. One was a stained glass window shaped like a robot. The other one is a Van Gogh painting of two robots holding hands under the stars. These things are stunning. And the fact that these can be created in like 10 seconds, and it's like a set of like eight or 10 or something, it's unspeakably stunning to me. Like it knows what Starry Night is and it could take any concept, draw the picture and then stylize it as Starry Night. And it, it's just unreal. I, I seriously spent like five hours with it on Sunday night. Both GBT3 and Dolly 
and Dolly is actually part of GPT-3, comes from the same model. They, they give me the distinct feeling that humanity is about to be ambushed. And, and I'm sitting here clicking and playing with this thing and going, oh, this is cool. Look, it's a little robot. Oh, it's a stained glass window. And I feel like there's this giant monster lurking behind it. And I know that's a very negative framing, but like I said, awe. It, it's both great and scary at the same time. Because there's going to be so many things that this thing can do that's going to take burden off of, you know, humans doing those jobs. But a lot of those jobs, I mean, it, that's what human jobs are. They're burdens. And it, it pays them <laughs> to have that burden. And this type of technology is going to remove so much of that. So, like I said, I feel like playing with this tool, I feel like I'm about to be ambushed. When I say me, I mean me as a human and humanity in general. I honestly think everyone in the UL community should read Homo Deus again by Harari and think about what it will mean to become part of the useless class. Right? He talks about that. It's like, people who can no longer do anything better than a computer and who need to figure out what to do with their lives as a result. And maybe this isn't you. Uh, maybe it's not tomorrow. Maybe it's, you know, multiple years from now. And maybe you're immune to this for some reason. And it won't be because you have a white-collar job, by the way. It's more likely to be because you're a nurse and you move bedpans around because, you know, robots are not quite the same as GPT-3. In fact, there's quite a big difference. So it could be that the useless class ends up being a lot of knowledge workers long before it ends up being, you know, food delivery people and stuff like that. So it, it's an interesting time. But whether this pertains to you or not, think about your younger loved ones. Now is the right time to start preparing for computers to be able to do many or most things better than many or most people. I'll say that again. Now is the right time to start preparing for computers to be able to do many or most things better than many or most people. Next one here, I've had a coffee grinder on order for around three years. That is theoretically shipping soon. I actually just got a notification, so hopefully not fiction. And cannot wait. I like my hand grinder, but I don't like using it every day for every single cup because I drink a lot of coffee in the morning to avoid eating basically fast all the way to dinner. And this coffee grinder, if you want to look it up, it's called the EG1, which is electric grinder one, just like the HG1, which is the hand grinder that I use. Both are by Weber, which is like my favorite grinder company. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Looking at moving my whole creation stack to Ghost. I've thought about doing this for multiple years and almost done it but it just, there were too many things that I had in my stack that couldn't quite be done with Ghost. But with version 5, it might be time to make the jump. Basically, it would be Memberful, which is like memberships and payments, WordPress, which is the website content itself, and MailChimp, which are newsletters, all in one platform. And I, I truly am looking forward to that simplicity, especially since I want to be focusing a lot more on member content and member community. Right. So I want to be putting out a higher percentage of my better content that I spend more time doing out to members. And I want to be able to just do it quickly and not think about it and have the platform manage everything. Because right now I'm trying to hold together this loose stitching of these three or four different products and keep them all integrated with each other. And there's always problems. Right. And I wonder how many, you know, if, if, if someone stops being a member, do they not like the content? 
or is it because they're pissed off because a link doesn't work or the member site isn't updated or that, you know, the integration between these various tools is just not smooth. And it does take a lot of time to maintain those. And it's just a constant sort of harassment for me. And I would, uh, much prefer to have it all integrated and hopefully have it work a lot better. So anyway, I'm thinking about that. So if you see any changes on the member side, which I'm, I'm looking to just generally change a lot of member stuff anyway. Um, not any pricing or anything like that, but just um, the ratio of content, uh, spending a lot more time with the community, that sort of thing. And uh, last one here under notes, there are many things to be disturbed about with the uh, massacre in Uvalde. Or Uvalde. I'm not sure how to pronounce that one. Pretty sure it's Uvalde. But the the one thing that's getting me is how the shooter was firing from the outside of the school for 12 minutes before going inside. And there were many armed police who responded almost immediately, who apparently decided not to engage out of fear. So why do we have all these brawny, you know, police people with Batman belts and, you know, a million flashlights and tactical this and tactical that and SWAT teams. If we're not going to put ourselves in danger when we need to. And to protect elementary school kids, you know, no less. Seriously unsettling. And obviously everything about this is bad and there's so much conversation about it. But this particular issue of, you know, where were the people who were supposed to defend it? You know, if it's a, uh, a quickie mart, and it's some 64-year-old outside with, like, um, a can of mace and a SWAT team attacks. It's fine. The, the guy runs around the back. You, you don't fault him for it. But defending elementary school kids when you have a SWAT team and you don't go in, and this ended up being, like, over an hour. It, it's just crazy to me. All right. Discovery. The shame of Uvalde and the sacrifice of Memorial Day. This is actually on the same topic. And this is from Barry Weiss, I believe. I believe it's a guest post, though. But really good analysis of the topic I just talked about. Next one here. I get the reference, but who cares? This piece expertly captures what I dislike so much about fetishized nostalgia. So I have more to add to this, actually, which is the over-indexing on nostalgia often turns into resignation that your best years are in the past, which is a horrible way to think about life, in my opinion. And you should also be following this guy if you're not. I think his name is Freddie DeBoer, or DeBear. Really smart writer. A respected professor from MIT argues that success is largely determined by one's ability to do three things. One, to speak. Two, to write. And three, to have quality ideas. I'd have actually used a different order, I think. In fact, the precisely opposite order which would be to have quality ideas, to be able to write, and to be able to speak. Okay, our failure modes, a good link, but I would also add the lack of measurability to the list that we have here. The top 1% of new ideas encountered by Sahil Bloom. List of school shootings in the United States. You've heard of cyberpunk, but have you heard of solarpunk? Absolutely amazing little animated video. And someone in my community, um, Michael Goatsman, is actually using this solar punk theme as the theme of his conference that's coming up in 2023. So more to follow on that. 
Offsec, Arsenal, a quick inventory reminder and launcher for common pen test commands, and Recon, Amazon QuickSight. Amazon QuickSight is a powerful tool for visualizing recon and other security related data. This is a great post from Detectify showing some of their recon data visualized in this way. And the recommendation for the week go get your Goodreads in order or whatever similar system you use. And the goal here is not to pat yourself on the back for reading a lot, but rather to put some numbers and structure around what you're reading to encourage you to continue. It's also an opportunity to look at your queue and either abandon or promote things accordingly. And finally, it's an opportunity to find your top end books and write a quick summary of why you like them, either on Goodreads itself or preferably on your own site or within your own PKM. And the aphorism for the week, despair is a narcotic. It lulls the mind into indifference. Despair is a narcotic. It lulls the mind into indifference. Charles Spencer Chaplin. Unsupervised Learning is produced and edited by Daniel Meisler on a U87 AI microphone using Hindenburg. Intro and outro music is by Zombie, with a Y. And to get the text and links from this episode, sign up for the newsletter version of the show at danielmeisler.com newsletter. We'll see you next time.